family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security <laughs> Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey everybody, welcome to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services again. Uh, well, I'm, I'm your host, Rick Strong, president of Paradigm Security Services, and we're excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We're coming to you from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in beautiful Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. A little plug for my sponsor here, uh, Sosby's Garage. They, if you are a mechanical technician and you're looking for a job, he is desperately looking for help. But you better be a good one because he doesn't hire anybody but that, and he will take care of you as long as you take care of his clients. Uh, each week we plan to feature businesses in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve Gwinnett count, County. And while all businesses have security concerns, we're not all about physical security in every business. And we will touch base on all that and related aspects of security through the course of each show. I'm very happy today to have Mr. Clint Dixon. And Clint is candidate for the Senate, state Senate seat of District 5, 45, excuse me. And, you you know, I'm familiar with you. You're you're all over Facebook. You're, you're out here prior to COVID pressing the flesh a lot. And you're constantly on phones. And, you know, you've got a little bit of background in public service. Let me just ask you this. It's kind of what I usually start with. Who is Clint Dixon, and where'd you come from? What got you into this, and lead it up to why would you want to do this and run for the state senate? <laughs> Thank you for having me on today, Rick. Uh, it's a real honor to be here. Uh, who is Clint Dixon? Uh, born and raised here in, in Gwinnett County. Uh, graduated from Central Gwinnett uh, awesome. back in the late 90s. Moved all the way to Buford. Moved a long way in my life. <laughs> <laughs> long trek. That's right. That's right. Uh, started out in the real estate business in 2003. Uh, in acquisitions and development for a regional home builder. I uh, did that up until the Great Recession hit, had to reinvent myself uh, at that point in time. I mean, it, it went from doing very well to, you know, the uh, the real estate business got hit, you know, right in the face uh, with this past recession and, you know, went from doing really well to almost two years of making about $1,800 and had to reinvent myself and uh, started working for banks, uh, disposing of loss share assets uh, for the FDIC. Uh, built my business back up and uh, got back into the uh, the residential acquisition development business uh, a few years ago, and it's been doing really well uh, with the COVID coming out. You know, we yep. uh, with that mm -hmm. pandemic uh, that took a little bit of a hit. You know, about thirty percent for a few weeks, but last week our sales have, have gotten right back up. So we're excited about that. I'm so looking forward to this economy getting going again. Yes, yes, I am as well. I am as well. Uh, moving on from that, you know, as far as public service, this is my first time seeking public office. Uh, but I have served on the Gwinnett County Water and Sewer Authority, served on it for about two and a half years during the recession. And then I moved on from there and served on the uh, Gwinnett County Planning Commission for about nine years. 
and step down from that position uh, in January. That's quite a job the right there. Yes, sir. Uh, I know anybody that's had to deal with any type of uh, zoning, planning, all that, had very familiar with how hard that job is. Yes, sir, it is. I think you uh, worked for a while with Paula Hastings. I think she was over there, wouldn't she? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, she was. Yeah, Paula and I have been friends for, goodness, over a decade. She's, yeah, uh, that's uh, quite an energizer bunny there. Yes, yes, she is. Well, why are you running for the state senate? What 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 gets you into this, and what gets your you know fire burning on that? Yeah, I've, I've had a, a heart for public service uh, for for years. Uh, you know, I uh, you know that we've wanted to serve. Uh, you know, looked at, at running for county commissioner a few different times, but uh, you know the stars, I guess, lack of a better word, didn't align. And uh, you know, Renee Unterman, who currently holds this seat. Uh, decided to move on and run for Congress. So the seat opened up. I'm at a point in my career uh, where I've got the flexibility and the schedule to run and to serve and, uh, you know, just, just jumped in with, with both feet. Uh, you know, I announced my campaign uh, just over a year ago, uh, you know, with the, uh, you know, with the intent to bring energetic conservative leadership uh, and fresh ideas to the job. Uh, you know, I want to be a leader that's determined to put our families first every day and with every decision. Uh, you know, I'm committed to Gwinnett and our families. My, my family goes back uh, four generations uh, here in Gwinnett. My grandfather had a small farm off of uh, Bramlett Shoals Road in Decula mm -hmm. years wow. and years ago. And, you know, I, I want to uh, ensure, you know, I feel like our conservative values has been a big part of what made Gwinnett what it is today. And I want to protect those values under the Gold Dome for the next generation. Well, I know you've gotten several endorsements from around, I think one from the Chamber of Commerce. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. The Georgia Chamber of Commerce. Who are some of your people that are endorsing you? Uh, I've also uh, received the endorsement from uh, Philip Beard and Buford mm -hmm. um, and Steve Edwards and Sugar Hill have endorsed me as well. Well, I tell you, you know, there's so many issues going on in Gwinnett County and at the state level. Let's talk for a minute about transportation. How would you address the traffic congestion in Gwinnett? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, you know, I was opposed to the transportation referendum, uh, bringing MARTA into Gwinnett. I thought that, you know, bringing MARTA heavy rail six miles into Gwinnett, uh, you know, at a cost of a couple billion dollars that would take a decade uh, to complete. Uh, I, and other things in, in that proposal I just disagreed with. And I think that we could use a fraction of that money and help help the traffic situation through some innovative ideas, uh, help, help folks out, because it is a complex issue in Gwinnett. And, you know, while I was on the Planning Commission, they had done the 2040 plan, and they're projecting our population over the next 20 years to go from probably right at a million folks to somewhere between a million five to a million eight. So we've got a lot of future growth in Gwinnett. I think that, like the Sugarloaf Extension, you know, making it a good part of it is um, a limited access highway now, and it, it comes to 316, mm -hmm. and it's projected to go all the way to Peachtree Industrial, across 85 up to Buford. I think projects like that will help get folks off the minor collector roads and onto a limited access highway when they're having to go to work, you know, going to Atlanta or getting to the highway. I think that'll help more than bringing heavy rail in. Another project we need to look at is the Ronald Reagan extension. You know, it stops at Pleasant Hill. It right. was originally slated to go to 85 with an interchange, but they, they stopped it because it was going to be about five miles of bridging over uh, swampland, and they thought the cost was too great. But I think in lieu of bringing heavy rail into the county, I think that that would be a project we need to look at, and we need to look at other other projects as well. well there's a lot of a lot of jurisdictions outside of Georgia, and even in Georgia, they have mighty long bridge structures. Yes, sir. So you know, it's just one of those things where the land is the land, and if you got a direction to go, you have to figure out a way to go there. And bridges are nothing new. 
Yeah, yeah, and you know, Atlanta's not built, uh, you know, for for heavy rail. You know, I mean, we don't have any geographical boundaries, you know, with water or mountains, and we've got such a sprawling, you know, metropolitan area. I mean, I just I, I think the cost of trying to, you know rail at this time and as far as, as we've gotten with the population we've got i just think that i don't i don't think it's you know economically possible in my yeah. opinion yeah and it's going to be very interesting to see what comes up on the the next agenda and as far as the next people get to vote on everything it's what ends up what ends up being the final product they put out to the voters it's going to be a real interesting process yes it's been so far that's for sure um the economy uh, you know, everybody knows you mentioned something about the great, you know, having to redo your business plan during the recession and all. We had to do the same thing. We were in most of our security was major construction. And you know where major construction went there that every that during that time it completely stopped. Yes, sir. So we had to stop and redo our business and go into different forms of security, but different targets for clients. But uh, in the economy right now. It, it, it's it's not good that's for sure i mean it has been good now we're into this covid 19 uh i hate to even call it a recession because it's not not the same type of thing that happened during 2008 but you know bottom line is the economy's hurting we've got to get back to work uh how do we get things back to on track as we come out of this coronavirus pandemic yeah, we, we've got to get aggressive. You know, that, you know, uh, my experiences in, in the last recession, you can't be caught flat-footed. You've got to have ideas. You've got to uh, roll up your sleeve and, and work hard. And, you know, that that's... Be proactive. That's right. And that's what I've done. You know, I cr- confront everything in life with hard work and determination. It's how, you know, my family and I survived the Great Recession in the real estate business. You know, and I plan on taking that same tenacity to the Senate. And, and we do. We've got to get aggressive. You know, first, I think, uh, you know, we've got to... We've got to uh, balance the budget. I mean, that's going to be a big deal. I mean, they're talking like 3.6 billion shortfall. Uh, that's a lot of belt tightening uh, that, that the state's going to have to do. And but we've got to protect our you know priorities as well. Uh, you know, it's it's a complex issue. Uh, you know, the state revenue is going to take a hit from this, and it's going to be it's going to require some tough decisions to be made. Uh, you know, and I'll fight uh, to cut regulation and red tape. Uh, you know, to to help get our businesses back up and running as quick as possible. Uh, you know, I support, um, you know, the governor's efforts with the Georgia First Commission uh, to help small businesses, including, uh, you know, ensuring that state contracts, uh, you know, contract with Georgia small businesses in state projects to help them get going. Uh, you know, we, we've just got to get got to get everything back up and running as quick as we can. And, and at the same time, keeping folks safe. I mean, that, that's important as well. I don't want to lose sight of that. Um, I also will explore any targeted tax cuts or policy changes that would help sectors hardest hit by this pandemic uh, to get them up and running. Uh, you know, and more importantly, you know, it's time for us to focus on bringing new businesses to Georgia um, away from China, uh, you know, in targeted sectors, you know, including the production of medical supplies and pharmaceuticals. Well, I know, you know, it's a lot of talk about the federal government and what it does with uh, businesses with China, but there's a lot of that goes on on state level, too. Yes, sir. So what is, what is your position, and I think you kind of hinted on it there, but as far as breaking some of those chains of those logistical changes with um, China, bringing our business, our manufacturing, our, our stuff back to the state of Georgia yeah, from we, China? Yeah, we've got to. I mean, it's imperative. I've, I've got a neighbor that lives across the street. She's a, uh, a superhero. She's a, a nurse at Gwinnett Medical, and 
uh, you God know, they, they had, oh yeah, yeah, and they, they had issues with, you know, their protective gear, just keeping, you know, the staff, the doctors and the nurses, uh, you know, with masks and gloves, and we, we, we can't be reliant on, when, you know, whether it's China or any other foreign country, uh, we, we need to produce that, that core, uh, you know, whether it's medical supplies or wh- whatever that is uh, in the business world, we need to bring that back to Georgia and to the United States and produce those things here. Well, we have the CDC right here in Georgia. And we've got a lot of manufacturing and a lot of, of that's the capabilities of doing the drugs, doing the the drugs that go into the major drugs, the um, parts of it. My brain's going blank. But the bottom line is we have a lot of the ability to bring that in here. And with CDC being here, there's just so much opportunity for people that do that to do it here in Georgia. I agree. So we just need to focus on getting some of that stuff. Well, how will you address the growing issue of gangs and other threats to public safety that um, is going on? Well, for one thing, in Gwinnett. A lot yeah. of people don't acknowledge it, but we have a gang problem here. We do. We really do. Uh, you know, and I was fortunate, you know, I served on the planning commission with Chuck Warrington. He was the chairman of our, oh, our Chuck group. very well. You know, and he was, uh, you know, over the uh, CID for, yep. for a number of years before. Uh, we do that CID. Yeah. And, you know, I... They, they dealt with it a lot with tagging and having to remove that, you know, in a timely manner. I mean, we, we do have a real uh, gang issue. And, you know, bottom line, we've got to support our local and state law enforcement. We've got to give them the tools to protect us, but also to protect themselves. I mean, with a population over a million folks, you know, we, we've got to combat gangs and human trafficking. Uh, you know, one, uh, you know, program that I support is the 287G program, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, gives our, our sheriff department the, the – uh, power to do background checks on folks if they're arrested. I think that's an important tool. Uh, you know, there's been some misconstrued information about that program, but I support that program. We need to continue it in Gwinnett. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because that's going to be an important issue, and it's going to be important for whoever we get in as the sheriff to be behind that as well uh, because that's that's a big part of our law enforcement uh, is that sheriff's office, and uh, their support is important. Yes, sir. Um, well, I know that you've got you've got certain bills and stuff that you. What are your top priorities of elected? In, in kind of on a side note, House Bill three hundred two. Kind of explain to people what that's about and what your position is on it. Yeah, House Bill three hundred two. It was proposed last last session, and it was uh, proposed by the, the the realtors and the home builders association. Um, and essentially, it it took architectural controls and and other zoning controls away from the cities and the county that was a proposal to take local control yes sir and give it to the state and they would create overlay districts Uh, i'm strongly opposed to that bill i think that uh you know land use architectural controls zoning controls it's a local issue it's a home rule issue i think that your cities and your counties they've got the the uh, personnel on staff the professional planners uh you know to vet those cases to set that up to and then they've also, you know, they've got the, the different boards, the Planning Commission, the Zoning Board of Appeals, to vet those cases even further before it gets to the elected official to make a decision. And I think that that process is very important in a county, you know, with over a million folks and with all the growth that we're experiencing again. Uh, you know, I think those, those different levels uh, are more important than creating just a blanket overlay district. Uh, and you can, as long as you kind of play in that sandbox, you can do whatever, you know, is allowed there. And I, I think that's a mistake. Uh, you know, the, the cities, especially in Gwinnett County, have invested heavily in their downtown areas. And, you know, they, they've created great value 
in the cities, and I could name off several of oh, them absolutely. that are doing just a great job. Fine examples, Hawani. Yes, sir. Yes, they're doing a great job. The city of Lawrenceville, you know, they're working really hard to revitalize their downtown. And they're it's doing beautiful. a great job. Chuck's doing a great job out there. Yes, sir, he is. And, and I tell you, you know, taking that control away would be a huge mistake. I think that uh, then, the, then the state or these other agencies would capitalize on that investment from our local, uh, you know, jurisdictions, and then they would road away at it. I mean, I think that it is. It's just simply it's a local issue that can be better managed and and protect the citizens you know at that level uh and and would be a mistake taking that that control away um is there anything else that uh you know i know you've got other top priority what you consider top priorities and I, you know and i say that with you know there's so many things that are they may not be top priorities but they're important kind of touch on some of those absolutely I tell you, uh, you know, from, from launching the campaign, they've changed quite a bit with, with COVID-19. Uh, you know, one which I've, I've spoken on already is, you know, getting our economy roaring again, getting our people back to work, addressing uh, the pending, uh, you know, state budget shortfalls in a conservative way that eliminates waste, uh, which is a, a top priority of mine in itself, is eliminating, you know, government waste, uh, you know, funding priorities and not raising taxes, uh, you know, also uh, public safety, which we've touched on, is is another key point. Uh, you know, keeping our families safe. Uh, you know, and continuing to crack down on jank gangs and human trafficking, and supporting uh, you know programs like 287G. Uh, you know, to deport uh, criminal illegals. Uh, also, uh, I'm a huge uh, you know proponent of protecting life. I support the heartbeat bill. Uh, you know, I'll be a champion for for any new legislation that that comes up under the gold dome there you know i stand with our governor there uh you know i've been um, endorsed by the family policy alliance of georgia uh and and you know I, that's another another value of mine that is a, is a very top priority uh you know want to protect the second amendment you know in our georgia values as well we've had a lot of attacks on the second amendment and that's one of the big issues and it's not just with georgians i mean look at virginia they just gone crazy um, what are some of the things that you see that might be that you might be able to help with, stir up, promote, whatever, with regards to the uh, Second Amendment issues? Yeah, yeah, great question. Uh, you know, a little bit more about my background. You know, been a uh, you know avid hunter and fisherman my entire life. Uh, you know, I've got a, a carry permit, and I, if we've got time, I'll go into a, a funny door knocking story uh, with a uh, retired Marine. But but I will be a uh, a champion to protect the second amendment you know i think that uh you know being a conservative you, you've got to keep government in check you know they will continue to erode at your uh you know at your rights uh if, if you let them and you know i think that you know as far as carry permits you know they're important but you know the second amendment it, i mean it, it gives us the right to you know possess and carry firearms and you know that just it's black and white for me so i think any legislation that would try to road away at that i would i'd be a champion to stop that and to kind of go back to my uh my funny campaign story this is bit this was in sugar hill i uh, met the gentleman at his door you know he was reading my uh my palm card and he got down to the second amendment and we talked about it and he said well he goes i want to see if you can walk the walk and he was a marine so you can imagine Clint what's going through your mind yeah, at that time? yeah and i'm vertically <laughs> challenged so he's you know six two marine he's got his vet hat on i thanked him for his service and uh, so we, we had, a, you know, he was very stern, and 
he was like, well, I want to see if you can walk the walk. Well, he asked me if I had a firearm on me. I said, well, no, sir, I, I got a carry permit, but I keep it in the vehicle. And he said, well, what good's that going to do you if, if you <laughs> – True Marine. That's right. And uh, so he uh, proceeded to uh, – he pulled a, a pistol out behind his pocket. We were standing on his front porch, and he unloaded it. And he said, if you can break this down and put it back together, he goes, you'll be on the way to earning my vote. And I said, well, this is a first. So, so, uh, so I sat there and broke it down, put it back together. And then he invited me inside, and you know, we were having small talk about – you know the small group of vets that he plays poker with and he wanted to introduce me to them and he and if you can imagine give you kind of a visual he lived in a, a split four-year house so we go in he invites me downstairs to the garage and he had a finished room and that was kind of his uh trophy room where he had you know animals he had hunted you know on the wall and he had his guns out and he presented me with an ar-15 and he said now if you can break this down and put it back together you've earned my vote so i sat down and luckily enough i knew how to do it and I, after about 30 minutes and you know small talking i broke it down put it back together and Earned his vote, and him and I, we, we talk uh, every couple of weeks still. Fantastic. Of course, he would always, he should have been okay if you just said, no, yeah, I've already earned my, I've already earned yeah, that's your vote. that's right. <laughs> but what else can I get? You know, you're going to give it somebody else's vote. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that, you know, there's, there's so much going on with, people have taken so much advantage through this COVID-19, and I won't get off track and head that, but I got a lot of, a lot of views and opinions on that, and I'm sure you do too, as far as, and we talked a little bit about once the government, you know, they will they will do whatever they can do and take it as far as they can take it until they're stopped by the people. That's correct. And um, that's just, that's the nature of government is the more they can control, the better they feel. Uh, they forget when they were just the citizens and not in the government, but uh, which is another issue that I've got. But we won't go there. Let me ask you this. Now, you've been in the real estate industry. Uh, you've been in planning type in this local uh, public service. Um, when you really get down to it, how, what did, what's the best thing in your background that prepares you for this position of running for state senate? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, a few different things come to mind, but I, I would have to say, you know, my work ethic, uh, my tenacity to to get the job done, whatever task is put in front of me. Uh, you know, it's. It's how I, you know, confront anything in life, a challenge or, or whatever it may be is, is hard work and tenacity and, and to finish the drill. And, you know, I'll take that to the state Senate uh, when I'm passionate about these issues we talked about today or, or when other issues come up that, that I'm not aware of now, uh, you know, I will, I will be a worker and I'll be a fighter in the Senate for, for our Gwinnett families and for our conservative values. Well, I know we need somebody there. I know Renee's done a good job in this position for so many years and you know be interesting to see you know, how the person next person it's going to be very important not interesting but very important to see how the next person that comes into this position do they carry that on or do they decide to you know hey there's a new sheriff in town we're going to do it a different way and i'm not a firm believer on just walking in turning the box upside down shaking it seeing what falls out and then kick it around and decide what i want to play with you got to go through, and if things are working and things are doing, take the good, move forward with them, uh, take a hard look at all the aspects. And from what I've gathered from talking to you, that's kind of what I see you coming from. Oh, absolutely. Yes. You know, and, and like I said, the the heartbeat bill that, that she carried last session, you know, I'll be a champion for that, or, you know, and, and any new legislation that pertains to that, you know, I'll be a fighter for that. And, yeah, I've definitely got some big shoes to fill. Uh, she's done a great job over the years. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I you know have you know some of my own ideas, but definitely not going to come in and, and 
wipe the slate clean and start over with a fresh agenda. I think she's done a lot of good for, for Gwinnett County and for the state. And I'll go through, like you said, you know, systematically and, and think through and, and listen to my constituents as well. I mean, that's another thing that I've been telling voters uh, this entire time is, you know, on, on a lot of my mailers and, and all my information, I give my personal cell phone and, you know, I let them know that, that I work for them. They're my boss. I'll always be accessible to them. You know, when, when folks have received mailers or if I've left them a voicemail and they call back and I answer the phone, it surprises them. Uh, they say that they've either never heard from a politician or they've heard from, you know, volunteers or they've gotten robocalls, but never directly from the candidate. And that, that's something that, that I will commit to all my constituents and, and anybody in Gwinnett. If they need me, they can call me and voice their concerns and I'll listen and I'll take it to the Gold Dome because that's who I work for is the people of Gwinnett. Well, I don't know, in my business and police work and everything else, and one of the things I stress is communication is key. And if you're not willing to stay in close communication with your constituents, then how are you going to do what, how are you going to know really when you get down really to the grassroots level of your constituency, how are you going to know what they really want? Right. Uh, so to me, communication is paramount to anything, whether it be business, whether it be uh, police work, whether it be, you know, whatever it is, you have got to communicate not only with your staff and with the people that are there, and which, which makes me kind of think, you know, a lot of people, they surround themselves with staff that are pretty well, uh, that are basically the same thought process, the same 100% process, basically become yes people and tell you what you want to hear. How are you going to address that as far as your staff area of getting people that I mean, for me, I've got people in my office or on my staff that drive me crazy mm -hmm. because every time I turn around, they're disagreeing with me. Right. But by the same token, they're important because if everybody agrees with me and I make a mistake or I'm making a bad choice or decision, then who's going to look like the fool? Me. Correct. So how are you going to address that with your staff? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Uh, you know, and I, I learned, you know, some of these principles from, from my dad uh, with his small business and uh, you know, through my career, is, is you're, you're, you're completely right. You cannot surround yourself with folks first that, that are going to be yes people and that aren't going to challenge, you know, some of the decisions or some of the thought processes that you have. And then second, you've got to surround folks with uh, that, that have got skill sets that, that you may in areas you may be weak with. And, and I think that's very important. You want to surround yourself with folks uh, that got different skills and different thought processes, and, and you don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. You oh, always no. want to get, get the best and the brightest around You're surrounded you. by the smartest people in the room. That's correct. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> totally agree with that. Yeah, I know it. Just as a business person, that you know, the idea is to bring good, qualified people in. The day that I think I know every single thing there is to know about my business and I have to do it all, I'm in trouble. Yes, sir. So you've got to bring people in here that you can – and having that trust – you got to have the trust in the people that you bring in that if they do disagree with you or they do push you around a little bit out of your box, think about it. And, That's correct. Um, you know, if you're willing to do that, I think you'll make a good senator. Thank you. So, well, cutting up, capping state uh, spending and returning money to taxpayers. You yeah. Know, what are your plans? Yeah, I tell you, you know, we've, we've touched on it, uh, you know, talking about the shortfalls with the budget, yep. uh, you know, earlier in the conversation. But, you know, one example, uh, you know, as far as is, you know, capping spending, you know, and this happens at the local level as well as the state level, you know, different departments, they're given, you know, an allotted budget. And if they don't use it, they lose it. 
they lose that portion they don't spend which creates wasteful spending and you know buying things that, that you may not need I think that's a mistake I think that that policy needs to change where departments should be incentivized to stay under budget and then the rest of that money needs to be returned to taxpayers so that, I mean that, that's one example how are you going to handle the people that say and you're going to come into a lot of it because every department's not going to, I mean, every department is going to be the same. They're not going to want to cut their budget. Mm-hmm. We're too important. You can't cut our budget. And how are you going to, how are you going to address that? How are you going to deal with that? Because you know that you're going to run into the, nobody wants their budget cut. Right. And under these circumstances, I personally think we're going to have to be a team and everybody's going to have to understand that somewhere along the way, the budget's got to be cut. What part do you want cut? Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's a, you know, a complex issue and we're going to have to roll our sleeves up and it, it's got to be department by department. And you've got to look and see, you know, what they're spending their money on and where that's going. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, and there will be some some folks, like you said, that push back, uh, you know, on, on any kind of budget cuts. But I think, you know, and this won't be, you know, uh, you know, through all the different departments, but but everybody seems to be coming together, you know, with this virus uh, you know, under the same thought process that we're all in this together. You know, we're, we're, we're social distancing. We're, we're all taking the steps to keep folks safe, and especially the, the more sensitive groups, you know, they need to stay home longer. But, uh, you know, as far as when we start having to cut the budget, uh, you know, at the state, I think everybody's going to be, not everybody, but I'm hoping most folks, you know, will be willing to, to do their part, uh, you know, and bullet. step up. Yeah, roll their sleeves up and, and uh, do, do their part. And I saw an article today from the AJC that, our lieutenant governor is cutting his salary 14%, which I believe is what uh, the governor's asking the, the different departments to cut it. So, I mean, I, I commend the lieutenant governor for, Absolutely. for stepping forward and doing that. Well, it's going to be important for people to be willing to sacrifice something. Um, the main thing is I don't want to see certain parts of it say, well, everybody needs to sacrifice but me. And unfortunately... I think what we've really got to do is keep in mind that this is not a red and blue issue with the coronavirus. It's not a Democrat, Republican. Absolutely. It's not conservative, liberal. Bottom line is we're all in this thing, and we can either all come out of it and do better and still keep our personal agendas when it's all over with, whether it be conservative, liberal, whatever. But the bottom line is we've got to get out of this. We've got to get our we've got to get our country and our state and our businesses and all rolling again, because that's what's going to get us out of it. Are people still going to get sick? Of course they're going to get sick. We get sick every day. Somebody right. gets sick. But at the same time, you cannot have the solution worse than the you know or the the solution to one problem worse than the the other problem as far as you know the economy you got to have the economy. We don't have a country if you don't have it. I agree. I agree. And that's going to be our single biggest challenge over the next, you know, 12 months or so, I believe. I think your biggest challenge is going to get people coming together on that being the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. That's, going to be a, that's going to be a biggie. Well, Clint, thank you very much. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, talk to you, get some signs, get some whatever, some pamphlets, some handouts, if they want to do all this and get in touch with you and maybe uh, help you out, and or ask you questions about as far as your stances that we haven't covered today how do they go about doing that yeah thank you rick for asking that uh, one last big point uh, you know that i've been sharing with voters is i will be accessible to each and every one of you uh you know i will uh, you will have my personal cell phone number you'll have my email address i will call you back i work for you 
you know, and, and that's that's one, uh, you know, big part of my campaign slogan is, you know, as I've made calls and knocking on doors is that I will be accessible to you and you'll be able to reach me whenever you need me. Uh, you know, my cell phone number is 404-862-5000. Uh, my email address is, it's real simple, it's just clint at voteclintdixon.com. And would love to hear from any of you. If you've got questions for me, you've got concerns, you want to sign, you want to get, you know, become part of the team, would love to have you. Uh, you know, if you live in Senate District 45, uh, would love to uh, get your support and your vote. Uh, and I humbly ask for, for everybody's prayers. And your boundaries on that district are what? Uh, yes, another great question, Rick. Uh, it runs the whole northern uh, sloth of uh, Gwinnett County. It starts over in Swanee, runs through Sugar Hill, Buford, uh, moves across. Uh, where a piece of Brazelton drops down in Gwinnett, uh, parts of Decula over to Auburn. And then there's a little section of it that runs south of the Mall of Georgia down around the Collins Hill area. Awesome. Well, thank you again very much for being here. And I know what you mean about people getting in touch with you, having your cell phones. That's one of the things that in my company, I'm the owner and president and CEO, but my cell phone number's on every business card and all my clients have my cell phone. And they use it far more than I'd like them to. I'm sure but, they do. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I'm happy to answer any calls. Well, thank you again for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. Remember, you can join us live every Wednesday at 1130 in the morning, or you can listen to our show anytime you want by going to businessradiox.com, clicking on the Gwinnett Studio, and then click Case in Point. Be sure and have your friends go listen to this show so they can make an informed decision when they go to the polls this year if they're in that district. And uh, really, you know, for any of them, we've got other things on there. Join us next week at 1130 when we will talk with business leaders about their businesses and related security issues in today's world. Thanks again to my guest, Clint Dixon, again, candidate for Senate, State Senate District 45. And for uh, Mike, my producer, and Miss Amanda sitting back over there in the corner. And again, I'm Rick Strawn. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets.